0: Let's roll it, girls.
1: Hey there, welcome to this episode of Elvis and the Pink Cadillacs. We're your rock and rye guys, Victory and Skylar, ready to take you on a pink hue journey through the Elvis's life and music. But hey, quick heads up, we're not experts, just
2: Elvis-loving gals having a blast in the pink Cadillac.
1: Our info might have a funky beat, but it's all about the fun, not the perfection. Picture
2: us dancing in the back seat, sharing Elvis
1: tales, interviews, and good vibes. Join our sisterhood of fans, share your Elvis stories,
2: and let's roll together. So buckle up, because with Elvis in the pink Cadillacs, every journey is an adventure.
1: Hi. Hello. Welcome back to Elvis and the Pink Cadillacs. And right now, let me tell you you guys, Sky and I are kinda like zoned out
2: <laughs> completely. You know, sometimes when um you you work all day and then you come on and film an episode, you're a little like lower energy, but it's okay. We're gonna ramp it up. We're gonna We're gonna rev we're gonna it up. We gotta yes. rev the engines. <laughs> The Dude, we're driving the, the pink the Cadillac We're going We're ready for this interview We got
1: this it. It's so funny Because like, they come from like The hype Hype up Like introduction We're like Yeah Get another pink Cadillac And then we're like Hey,
2: welcome back. (laughs) How y'all doing? How
1: y'all doing? (laughs) But you guys, this one, I know as soon as we start the interview process, we're gonna be shaking in our boots because today we have a really special guest. If you guys saw the reinvented Elvis 68 Comeback special in theaters, you are in for a treat today. Guys, we have John
2: sheinfeld in on our platform, not in studio, but
1: (laughs) in our studio. In our studio.
2: Surprise, we're in a studio. Surprise. Guys, seriously, so excited about this! Like, I still cannot believe that this happened somehow. I like, I was talking to my husband. I'm like, yeah, we have the director coming on.
1: He's like the director. I'm like John Schinfeld. Yes, the director, the director, <laughs> the director,
2: and like. Today I was re-watching some of Reinventing Elvis because we saw it on July 30th, which is now mm-hmm. almost a month ago at this point. Which is was that crazy. really? No, yeah, you're lying. July 30th. You're lying. It
1: is there ain't no way.
2: August. 21st. I keep telling
1: people. I was like, it came out a
2: few weekends ago. Oh my god, it's like, isn't it wild? Because it was only in theaters for one day. It did come out on August 15th on Paramount Plus. If you have Paramount Plus, go watch it, guys. Um, it is amazing. It genuinely is such a good documentary. It was so inf- informal not informal informational <laughs> um and like had so much footage that like we I mean I feel like I haven't seen before um I I didn't even know that was cut out footage at all when someone yeah. told me that they're
1: like that's not footage they used in the actual show I was like what
2: yeah, because I feel like me, so many takes of the special. Mm-hmm. Like, we literally don't know what is out there. And to just hear it from Steve's mouth, like, oh, my gosh, it's so, so special. And now we get to talk to someone who literally, like, wrote and directed this. Like, that is crazy. Hands
1: on. Uh, I'm so excited to find out if there's actual more footage out there that we haven't seen yet. I know it's a question we will be asking. We will be asking.
2: Don't you worry, because I know you guys <laughs> want I know you want to know. Other than this, though, we finished Elvis Week, guys. We got through Oof. it. Amazing Oof. job. That we was, got through it. That was it. crazy.
1: And guess who I was hanging out with yesterday on on Sunday? Who
2: are you hanging out with, Victoria? Who was who was
1: wasn't it? Wasn't our ultimate?
2: Wasn't that <laughs> our ultimate? I think so. And did I have FOMO? Yes. Did, did I, <laughs>
1: Yesterday I got to hang out with Cody Deonath, and it was so much fun just catching up with him. Uh, he invited us out to his Sunday show. My husband and I. Sky lives in Arizona, so um, yeah. sadly she couldn't make it. But it was so great, you guys. <laughs> He's doing well. I got to see the belt. I got to hold the belt. The belt is beautiful. The
2: pics of you uh, and the belt are iconic. Iconic.
1: I got Let to try on say. the belt. I felt really <laughs> special. <laughs> and he had his check there on display for everyone to see. So I, I also can't. got to see the check
2: course
1: he did i love it i love it. it it was fun i mean he killed it up on stage uh he performed at a venue where he grew up playing i sent sky one of the pictures and when cody was a wee little nugget and he He's has been baby. singing his whole life his whole life so that was a really
2: cool experience it's so cool and i'm so happy you got to And next pictures.
1: month i am going to be going to a festival in Mount Joy with cody again so um that's going to be fun and then sky has one in arizona right with them. yes him.
2: Yes, next so I'm so mm-hmm. excited to finally meet him, and then Victory gets to see him before, so it'll be yep. great. Even though we're far, we're, like, close, you know? Close. <laughs> Somehow. Somehow. <laughs> Somehow. Um, but back to Elvis week real quick, that candlelight vigil was so beautiful. Like I can't even express like watching. I'm so happy they live streamed it. Um, they live streamed for like about an hour. They did. And it was just so beautiful to watch. Like the, the glow of the candles and like everyone there supporting and like everyone like paying their respects. It was just so beautiful. And like, we will be I'm there next goosebumps. year. Like, I'm not accepting that we won't be there. We will be there. there. there, But we will
1: probably be mentally checked out at the end of the vigil. (laughs) We won't be
2: there. I just, like, I keep telling everyone, just go to Elvis Week 2024. Like, be there. Because I'll be there. Be there or be be square.
1: We'll both be be there.
2: (laughs) But anyways, victory. Are we ready to move it along and go into Cadillac Confessions? I think we should go to Cadillac Confessions.
1: Hit it! Hit it! So, little do y'all know, I do all the music by hand in this episode. So if you hear segments throughout this thing and you see me struggling with my eyes, I'm trying to turn it down.
2: (laughs) victory is producer and editor and everything
1: <laughs> everything in between sure she was clean. like sky was like i ha- we have like less than 24 hours to edit the episode and i was like say less <laughs> Watch no literally me do it. <laughs> she
2: was like say less i was like okay i got the post we can do this like, <laughs> <laughs> okay well our first cadillac confession is from Kara, or it's pronounced Kara, because i know she's a uk girly so i'm so sorry if i said the wrong one anyways She said that she is 25 from the UK. Her birthday is coming up on August 27th, though. So happy Happy birthday. birthday. That's soon. Yeah, she will be turning 26. So she said long email incoming. It's okay, Queen. I got you. She just said, I just wanted to pop an email to say how much I support this podcast on the ventures that you are about to embark on and all the things that you're about to unravel and discuss in depth about our crazy obsessions in the best way possible. Thank you so much. This this was sent like early on to when we first started. So... It's you already know, we, crazy. No, yes, she knew. She yes, knew. She literally knew. Um, she said, I'm so happy to have found you both on TikTok, and I just love connecting with everyone at that are similar ages. We same sis, same. I just wanted to give a little bit of background about my support and where my love for Elvis came from. So my dad was always an Elvis fan and obviously grown up with his music and likewise to one of the listeners' emails to to one of the listeners' emails in episode two. I hadn't really thought much of it until the Elvis movie was about to come out. So the first time I saw that Elvis movie, I went with my dad because he was like, uh, please come with me. I don't want to go alone. So I was like, oh, fine. Okay, then. Because I'm not really much of a movie person. I don't really go at the cinema that much. I don't even watch movies that much. It's just not my thing. Let me tell you, I've seen this film in cinema about six times. And for me, for someone who doesn't like movies, that was a big deal. That is a big deal, actually. That, yeah. She said, I then took my fiance, Benjamin, to go see it. And we both became very, very fixated and obsessive. And to be quite honest, I think we thought it was going to be the phases that would just fizzle out. But it didn't. We started reading more in depth, reading more, watching more, like everything last year and even this year. Every single day, I'm like, what can I learn? What can I discover? T says, that's so true. What can I watch next? Next, we've watched all of the thirty-one films, Iconic of You. Let's be real. Some of them are not so great, but we will watch them. We watch documentaries and just about everything you can imagine. But I'm sure there's so much more there to discover and unpick and unravel. Let's briefly talk about our daughter Rosa, who is so stinking cute. She
1: sent a picture with this email and she's yeah. literally a little doll. She's, she's adorable. A she's a twin
2: like yes. of her mother, and I always I always tell her that your daughter is adorable. She said, we in no way pushed the love onto her for Elvis. She just naturally just got it, the Elvis bug. And whenever we're playing Elvis, she just loves it. She always asks for Elvis in the car or at home. She gets excited whenever we get a new Elvis item or an Elvis photo or anything related. She even has her own little pink t-shirt that she asked for. She's asked to go and see Ben Thompson ETA in the UK next year, which me and Benjamin went- Ben's awesome, by the way. Yeah. A shout out to Ben. Yeah. Um, went to go see earlier this year but she's asked to see him next time so she will be five when she goes to see her first elvis tribute act and i can't wait to see her face um she said so i hope all this made sense i'm quite sleep deprived and on the go constantly but i am in love with the late 40s 50s 60s and some early 70s era for fashion for women and it just all goes nicely together with elvis your podcast is helping me through errands and days when I where I need to pick up lots of love from the UK. Thank you so much, oh, Queen. Seriously, yeah. I know. And I see your TikTok videos. You are rocking the vintage. I love that. her pinup curls are fabulous. Yeah, have you seen her do her pinup curls? Yes, I wish I could do that with my hair. That's an art form. My hair, could queen. never. It is so no, long. No, my hair could her never. Hair is so beautiful. Thank you so much, though. That was so beautiful. And thank you for telling us your story.
1: I know I love I loved reading that one so if you guys haven't seen her she's on she's on tiktok at kara.vintage right
2: yes I I she has had it right here um at yeah. kara.vintage.edition on tiktok mm-hmm. go check she's out her really videos. cool. They're yeah definitely
1: hashtag. all right so the next email is from Rosa she says hi Skylar and Victory hey girl hey Hello! I just want to say a big thank you to y'all for having an Elvis podcast. I love being able to listen to all things Elvis while I'm working. Same. Same, though. That gets me through the day. I do that. I really do do that. All the day. All day. So, how I became an Elvis fan is kind of a happy accident, she says. I was on... Out a state trip with my fiancé and his family, they live in Texas, and they were traveling to Alabama for the celebration of life for his paternal grandparents. We had a few days before their service, so we decided to travel a few different tourist spots in the area. One of the days, I requested to go to Graceland. Lucky. Now at this point, I vaguely heard of Elvis and probably, inadvertently, heard a few of his songs. I was mainly going since I didn't know when I get another chance to go I'm so glad I asked to go we arrived at Graceland bought our tickets and went to the VIP tour when we visit again we will do UVIP tour is there a difference Sky I know you've been what's the yes, difference so between the those
2: UVIP is where you get to you get a tour guide and you get to hold one of Elvis's things whatever okay. Angie chooses like we learned on the last episode if you guys mm-hmm. have not listened to the Angie and Alicia episode you need to immediately yes. I'm not kidding Um, and then the regular VIP I think that's like the I. you get an iPad and you're like listening to john stamos on the ipad but you don't get a tour guys and yeah it's so funny And you don't get a tour guide and you don't get to hold anything of Elvis's. So that's why I always recommend U V I P because like everyone wants to hold something of Elvis's. So
1: Yes, don't we all? (laughs) Okay, just wanted I haven't been to Graceland, so I just wanted to clarify. All right. I remember going into the house and being like, this is pretty cool. Seeing all the neat artifacts was really cool because I'm very into history. As we walked into the racquetball area, I remember having this feeling of what I can only explain as all, knowing I was in the last place. He was with friends and family before he passed, it made my heart ache for him. Unchained melody played as we walked through. Okay, oh, the I just got goosebumps. Ball court, yeah, yeah. yeah. Just got unwell. goosebumps. Completely Oh unwell. my gosh! It's we so- saw most of the exhibits. Unfortunately, we were not able to see the planes. It was a very hot day. We shopped in the gift shops where we got many presents for our family and friends. Once we left, I put on my AirPods and started listening to his music. After we returned home from Texas, this is where my love of Elvis exploded. I was listening to any album I could find with him on it. Became a super fan. I finally got to see the Elvis movies a few weeks after we returned home. I was sobbing. It has been over a year now since I became an Elvis fan, but I truly love him and is still growing every day. I am getting married in 2024. My wedding dress and accessories are all Elvis-inspired. The music, everyone is walking down the aisle, is Elvis. I have elvis area in of my office my car accessories are all elvis inspired i am a super fan i would like i would love to hopefully to get to talk to y'all one day and maybe even help with the podcast if you ever need it have a great weekend in tcb okay.
2: thank you oh. so much rosa <laughs> <That's> so much-
1: <laughs> i love it i'm so excited for your wedding that's gonna be amazing send us pictures i want to yeah. see the accessories and everything that is so exciting if you guys have anything elvis inspired please share it with us we love to yeah. see it no, please, please, please.
2: you can send anything to Elvis in the pink Cadillacs at gmail.com we are always looking at it, uh-huh. so and you do. may be
1: featured in our next episode but I would say that was a pretty cool Cadillac confessions That was jazzy. I was I like, what was up? that ending?
2: We've never gotten to that before. <laughs> what is happening? Oh, I like that. That was cool. It, like, changed. <laughs> okay, well, before we welcome John on, um, we didn't talk about our fixations last week, oh. and I just feel <laughs> like... How could we not? You know, I know. like I think I know. we were just the hype with Angie and Alicia. We were like, oh my god. We were zoned so yeah. out. <laughs> yeah. Gone. So like to we will continue this tradition, don't you worry. So today, Victory. What is your Elvis fixation of the week?
1: Okay, so mine has something to do with Elvis. It was actually from Elvis Week with Linda Thompson. It has Mm -hmm. involved Linda Thompson and her story of when she was being interviewed up on the stage. So this TikTok actually I saw today, and it was a story that she was describing of how Lisa Marie growing up, she would see in interviews. Lisa was saying how she was like a menace growing up, and. Linda goes, and she's like, Lisa was not a menace at all. She was an angel. I love her. But um, when she became an adult, she invited me to one of her birthday parties. And uh, she I was going to go to the restroom, and she came with me, you know, as girls do. And she said she was in the bathroom, and she was looking at Lisa, and she just saw her father. And she looked at her, and she's like, I'm either going to have to kiss you, or you're going to have to leave. <laughs> because she saw
2: have you not seen this i i seen some of linda like okay. the linda interview but i haven't yeah. seen that part Ooh. she was she was
1: describing she was like she she like in the eyes she, like lisa looked like elvis in that moment she probably and,
2: had a moment of like holy yeah, crap like
1: it was like i'm either gonna have to kiss you on the lips right now or you're gonna have to leave and obviously she was joking but it was yeah just, like, i thought that was Aww. so funny like i've never heard a story yeah. like that and i know yeah. that's like that's my fixation i thought that was a really sweet interesting story that linda shared that.
2: and i think yeah. like it's so it was so cool seeing linda back at graceland too I like know. how special like her getting to I... relive that and her recreating all the photos in graceland i was like oh my god a queen like it, it was so iconic. lovely to get to just see her back because she hasn't been back in so long so i loved it i know i know <laughs> so my fixation yeah, um some of yours. i feel like i just have a lot of fixations all the time but one that really got me this week and has always kind of gotten me is when he like when you're watching fun and Acapugo. i definitely butch- butchered that name i always butcher that name bossa nova like just the scene you know like the yeah. way he moves <laughs> it's like the girls 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 team how was he moving his hips like that I don't understand. I mean, I do understand it's Elvis, but like, come on. Like, he's, like, wiggling and someone, like, I literally. I just want to drop
1: you in the scene. I just want to take you back in time and just drop you as an extra.
2: <laughs> I'm so crying right now. Please. Like, how can we do we got a time machine? Bring me back. I'm begging. It's like, <laughs> just, like, the way he moves and someone, I'm so sorry, I forgot who it was, but someone swiped up on my story and was like, he's tap dancing. And so then I went back and rewatched it and I was just focusing on his feet and I was like, is he is he, is he a it's dancer like, it's like a mix it looks okay. like but it doesn't at the same time like yeah. it's like it could be but it couldn't like you know it's just the way that elvis moves um oh my god i just i just I love him i just love <laughs> you just him i just can't get enough i just I can't just get think enough it's gonna be another dance scene yes just waiting it is there's <laughs> always the dance scenes for me and then of course like uh <laughs> riley posted um a story and she was she posted she watched um uh girls 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 end scene and she was like she like tagged me and uh kelsey i think and was like i understand now <laughs> it's, like, it's just addicting to watch like he just moves so beautifully i just love him anyways
1: that's i and can we mention now how the entire time Cody was at Elvis week, he was randomly saying my fixation to the boys. I, yes.
2: <laughs> he told us that he was like telling everyone at Elvis week, like, this is my fixation of the week. I was like, we started something. And that's why I'm like, we have to continue. We can't just not do my fixation of the week. So Even my apologies. On Sunday. Yes. Yeah.
1: Even on Sunday, he was like, my fixation.
2: <laughs> I can't. <laughs> I <was> like, Okay. <laughs> i love it and I, that's what you know that's why i said I'm, I'm sorry for last week we got it caught up in the moment it will back, never though. be forgotten again i <laughs> promise you all thank you <laughs> all
1: right well i think we are ready to introduce our guests.
2: sky would you like to do the honor oh my god i would love to do the honors okay friends and family elvis besties John Scheinfeld is a critically acclaimed documentary filmmaker. He's an Emmy, Grammy, and two-time Writers Guild Award nominee and the director of Reinventing Elvis, the 68 comeback. Some of his previous work includes The Happy Days of Gary Marshall, Sergio Mendez in The Key of Joy, The U.S. vs. John Lennon, and a more recent release, What the Hell Happened to Blood, Sweat, and Tears. We are so excited to have John on today to talk some Elvis with us and the documentary. So please welcome to Elvis in the Pink Cadillacs, John Scheinfeld. Let us just, inter- I, we already did an introduction before you hopped on, but like yeah. Elvis in the Pink Cadillacs, please welcome John Scheinfeld. He is here, director of Reinventing Elvis' 68 Comeback. You made it, John. Welcome. We are so excited to have you on today.
0: <laughs> Happy to be with both of you. This is going to be fun.
2: It, it It is, and we just were so honored to be able to talk to you about this film because, um, like we were saying earlier, a lot of Elvis fans are new from, from 2022 from Baz Luhrmann's film, and they are deep diving into Elvis. We are welcoming any new Elvis content we can get because we don't get it every day. He's not here anymore, unfortunately. So when... It came out that reinventing Elvis was coming out for a theater in theaters for one day. Which thank you for that. That was such a blessing. I know that in, was such a treat yeah, to such go a and treat. see him again in, on the big screen. It makes you want to go watch all of his films on the big screen. You know, rent out a theater, do it if you can. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you bet. Yeah, you bet.
2: but yeah, it was it was so amazing, and it's just been it, everyone loves it. So thank you so much, John, for for putting your work into it. Well, thank
0: you. You know, our challenge really was there have been so many documentaries, books, articles about Elvis. It's always hard to find that one one way to tell his story that perhaps hasn't been told before, or at least Mm -hmm. somewhat can be fresh. And that's what appealed to me uh, about uh, Reinventing Elvis, uh, is that a lot of these other projects had touched, including Baz Luhrmann's movie, had touched on the comeback special. But nobody really told the true story of what happened behind the scenes. And I'm a story guy. So whatever, uh, whenever I'm thinking about do I want to take on a film or not, it's always what's the story? Is it compelling enough? Is it multi-layered enough that it really justifies being up on the big screen? And uh, I just thought this really did in, in, in so many ways.
2: And there's a story here for the 68 special is there a story, you know, so let's just get into it like how did this idea even come about did you previously read Steve's book were you even interested in the 68 special at all, we'd love to know.
0: Yeah, great question. I knew Elvis's music. I wasn't a, an obsessed fan. I, I will confess that, which is probably a bad thing to do on a podcast like it's this, okay. but That's you're okay. <laughs> uh I was a you know I kind of grew up with the Beatles. I was a Beatles guy.
2: Okay. Oh. Um but
0: I always knew who Elvis was, you know. Um but over the years I I've, I've come to ha- have a much greater appreciation for his music, particularly the, you know, that 1955-1960 period. Um uh, and I'd always wanted to do an Elvis project, and 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 for a very short time, about ten years ago, I was attached to do a, an independent scripted film that was going to be uh, a, a different take on on the Elvis story, and it didn't happen for a lot of different reasons. But it really left me with the desire to to do an Elvis thing. And so uh, a producer uh, named Spencer Proffer had called me one day. I'd worked with him on a couple of things, and. Mm-hmm. He called and said, my friend Steve Binder has written this book about his experiences. Do you think there's a movie here? So I read Steve's book and I thought, absolutely, there's a movie. There's all these sort of fascinating behind the scenes stories that you only hear from somebody who was actually there. Um, and, And to get his perspective on this, I thought that could really make for an interesting film. So I, I put together a, a treatment as to what my vision for the film was going to be, and then it took uh, some time for the producer to find the money, uh, but uh, lo and behold, uh, about uh, a year and a half ago, he finally found the money, uh, sold it to Paramount Plus, and uh, so we began work. We didn't have a title at first, uh, but finally, uh, uh, we, we loved uh, the title of Reinventing Elvis, and that became our title as we moved forward. It, it it was a
2: great title it's like the, yes. i think it's a perfect title actually
0: mm-hmm. and
2: what i like about the film too is that we learn stuff that we definitely didn't know a lot of stuff about the colonel everyone victory were you shocked i yeah
1: finding out that he might have killed someone and he ate pepper for bets i was like the what? pepper
2: the pepper what is happening with the pepper what is this man doing That
1: was like, what? I want to know, where did did that come from? Like, how did you guys source that out? Because that was so specific.
0: (laughs) It was very specific. Well, you know, what's really interesting is um, uh, I know both of you loved uh, the Baz Luhrmann film. And it was great filmmaking. It was energetic. It was fun. It was interesting to look at. All of that was just terrific. What differentiates um, a scripted feature film from a documentary is uh, you have to be in service to the truth when you're making a documentary. When you're doing a scripted feature, you can take dramatic license. Mm -hmm. And there was a lot of dramatic license in Boz's film. Um, He put words in people's mouths, which is fine. Um, And he, he showed some events that were in the spirit of Elvis's life, even if they didn't actually happen. Yes. But for a documentary, we have to be really um, uh, much uh, uh, telling the truth. So um, when I interviewed our uh, Elvis experts, one of them, Alana Nash, had had written, I think, the definitive book on Elvis and the Colonel. Yes. Mm -hmm. And uh, so when I did my interview with her, she brought up uh, these stories of the Colonel, which come out of her research. And uh, and. So we have to corroborate this. And we were able to do this at least to the point where we suggest in the film that he might have been involved with these things. And there's a lot of circumstantial evidence um, that he was involved with a murder back in Holland. Mm-hmm. Um, some of your your uh, uh, podcast fans may know that uh, he was not a colonel. He was not a Tom. He was not a Parker. He was not even American. He was an illegal <laughs> immigrant from Holland. And that much is true. We do know that. Mm-hmm. Uh, the question is, why did he come here, and what was he leaving behind? And in our film, we suggest what that was based on on uh, very reliable sources and uh, and circumstantial evidence.
2: Well, it that was shocking, crazy.
1: I know. I was sitting there, and when it came up on screen, my husband looks at me, and he's like, "What? You knew about this?" And I was like, "I did not know about this. I was like, this is new to me too." <laughs>
2: I, I will say that I did know about the murder ag- allegations, but the pepper thing threw me off. I had no
0: idea about the pepper thing. Well, I mean, this is the great thing about a film. If you can um, include in the narrative um, stories, events, incidents that, that um, maybe all but the, the obsessed Elvis fans uh, uh, perhaps haven't heard. And that's what we tried to do here. Now, you know, Steve's been out there giving interviews over the years and some of the stories have shown up before, but never in a cinematic way, never, never uh, in a way where we had to translate that to the big screen. And that's what was a a great challenge uh, for, for me and my team.
1: Beautifully done. Beautifully done. I love the storyline and my husband doesn't know anything about Elvis or anything. And he walked away feeling so informed and so educated and ignited, like he wanted to learn more after leaving the theater. So you're turning non Elvis fans into Elvis fans. You're working the magic, I will say.
0: Well, you know, and again, we we, uh, we were talking a little bit before about um, I also try to make people feel something, feel emotional about something. Not every documentary does that. A lot of times a documentary will say, well, this happened, this happened, and this happened. And and you do have to get the exposition out, but what I really wanted to do was make um, fans like you and, and others feel, at least in some small way, that you got to know Elvis as a person um, through through this documentary, and also to feel something about the journey that he was on, because he, like all of us, he had the highs and lows, and I, I think we wanted to, to make people have an emotional response to to that journey.
1: I loved it. Now, with these documentaries, where did your passion derive from for wanting to start creating music documentaries?
0: Well, it's a good question. Um, it was actually uh, an act total accident. <laughs> um, I, uh, I, when I started in the business um, out here in California, uh, I started in the scripted business, developing TV shows. I was a exe- uh, baby executive uh, for Paramount. Awesome. uh and then uh, i I worked for another company um very very uh, prestigious uh small production company and then I went out on my own and I was um producing some projects and I didn't see a lot of future for somebody that just produced ultimately, you have to be a writer, i think to to get your vision um uh, out there and, and made. So I took a year off and I wrote and I wrote and I wrote uh, scripts and uh, then I started writing some episodes of TV shows that I would be embarrassed to tell you that I wrote for. Uh, And then I started writing some pilot scripts, um, creating my own shows for ABC and Fox and uh, and NBC. and none of them got made. <laughs> oh. uh, it made me a lot of money, and I didn't uh, get any of them made and i and and the the way the business works out here is if if that happens for a long enough time, you kind of fall off the list of people they want to work with and I kind of saw this coming um and at around the same time um I discovered documentaries um, uh, i I got to know I love doing pop culture and I love doing. Uh, legends of pop culture, because that's my interest personally. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I got to know the grandson of Braucho Marx of the Marx Brothers, a uh, big, big comedy act of the 30s and the 40s. And um, he said, Why don't you make a, a documentary about the Marx Brothers? And I said, Well, what do I know about making documentaries? I come, you know, I, I write scripts. He said, Yeah, but you're a storyteller. And I said, You know, that's, that's right. So he gave me the rights to do it, and I teamed up with a another guy uh, that had done documentaries before. And the two of us wrote, produced, and directed this documentary. And it got great attention. And I really love the form. I love being able to blend together interviews, music, photographs, footage, all of these kinds of things. Uh, I talk, uh, when I talk a lot about what I do, um, I liken it very much to a jigsaw puzzle. I'm sure you all got one from your parents at some point when you were a kid. And yes, you open up the box, you dump out all the pieces and eventually it forms a very pretty picture when you fit all the pieces together. But those pieces only fit together one way and eventually you figure it out. What we do as documentary filmmakers, you could fit those pieces together 10 ways, 20 ways, 50 ways. And it's how you fit those pieces together to tell a story that makes your film good, bad or ugly. But I love the challenge of that, and I love being able to go into what for me is a new universe, if you will, um, whether it's John Lennon or or Elvis Presley, and to say, all right, how best do I navigate this jungle, and how do I tell the story in in the most compelling way? And that is what makes my job uh, one of many things about my job that I love.
2: Oh, I love that so much. did you enjoy your time in the Elvis universe?
0: (laughs) You know, the Elvis universe is a very complicated one. Yes. Um, the fans tend to be very uh, obsessed fans and you can offend them uh, very easily. Yes. Uh, uh, and, uh, and so I think that's a challenge that, that had to be overcome. Um, but I think what's interesting is uh, the comeback special itself is so beloved by Elvis fans. And I think by connection, so is Steve Binder, who was yes. the original producer-director. Mm-hmm. And I think the ability that we had to take Steve's stories, some of which he had told some of, uh, publicly, some of which he had not, and try to bring those uh, out in a cinematic way, I think we probably had a lot of people out there that were ready for this because it had not been done before. It had shown up in small ways in, in, in many of the other uh, projects, including Boz Lerman's film. Uh, but no one had really told the the true story in detail before and um i think maybe the the elvis fans were were ready for this
2: they they were i i would and i just wanted to let you know and i wanted to commend you for that we were talking about this earlier but um we see it online all the time you know like and like you said elvis fans are huge critics everyone has their own opinion of his life and what he's done and all I've seen is just positive reviews from this documentary because a lot of people love Steve and they love hearing the story from Steve because he's the one who changed Elvis's life you know from this special like he did it and he had to fight through the Colonel and he still did it (laughs) so um all I've seen is just just positivity radiating from this film and everyone loves it and like you said you like to Emotion out of people, and you did so. Yeah.
0: So it's great to hear that. It it, it really is. You know what's really interesting is uh, there are there are obsessed fans who who don't want to hear anything negative about their hero, and then there are those that they they love him uh, uh, or her and they love him or her in spite of the flaws. And again, as a documentary filmmaker, what I want to do is tell the truth. So. Here we have a show that's called The Comeback Special. Why did he have to come back? We had to look at his past and see some of the mistakes that were made in a career mm-hmm. um, that necessitated him making a comeback. And uh, so it's lovely to hear that, that people appreciated uh, the, that we told the truth, that um, he, he is a, a magnificent artist who made some mistakes or followed his, his nefarious manager who made some mistakes. And it put him in a position by 1968 where uh people were not buying his records, people were not going to see his films, no studio here in Hollywood wanted to make another Elvis film. And so you have this superstar saying, What am I going to do now? What direction am I going to go? And and his manager, the only deal he can get is this deal to do a, a TV special at NBC. And so if you're artist is just too perfect that's what i would call a whitewash which is where you're just sort of ignoring the flaws of your hero but frankly the fact that he is flawed makes his accomplishments even greater
2: a thousand a thousand percent and um i really also liked how you included a lot of historical context to what was going on at the time because i feel like um a lot of the times when we think of Elvis, we, we never really dive into like what was happening in that period. Like we're just focusing on what Elvis did and what Elvis was doing at that time. And I thought like it's so important with what was going on. So thank you for including that because it just really sets up the story. You're like, OK, like what was going on at this time? Like why was this special so important? Because what was going on at this time? And so I just wanted to commend you for that as well.
0: Oh, well, thank you. I need to do this more often. I haven't had this many compliments in an <laughs> afternoon in a long time. Um, <laughs> You know, we, we're all byproducts of um, our past mm-hmm. and and the times in which we grew up. Um, you have your generation now, I had my generation, and we're all sort of shaped in some small way by that. And uh, that's very true for, for Elvis. And I think I didn't want to make a film just for Elvis fans. I wanted to make it for people... Maybe they knew a little bit about him. Maybe they heard something. Maybe they saw Baza's movie. Maybe they know some of the music. Um, but I wanted to put it in context. And I think that that's a key word for us here, was context. The, the footage is out there from the comeback special. You can get it on a Blu-ray or a DVD. Some of it's up on YouTube, all of that. But what makes our film different is the context. Not only the context of Elvis and Steve and the Colonel and the people who worked on the show and all of that, but also the times in which it happened. And I think it was important for us to do it in two ways. One was to set the 60s in general, which um, was an environment in which Elvis did not um, succeed as much as he had in the 50s. So why is that and what was going on in the country? So we wanted to do that. And then uh, very specifically wanted to, to talk about what was going on in 1968, Not only that might have accounted for why this show was so popular with uh, audiences, um, but also um, what might have prompted Elvis to sing what I think is one of his greatest songs ever, uh, If I Can Dream, and where did that come from, you know?
1: I I can't agree more. Just sitting in the theater and again, seeing that on the big screen was so emotional, crying the whole time. (laughs) I... Was so blown away, though, because growing up, we heard in the history books about the 68 and what happened to JFK, Martin Luther King, and all of that. And it was just one of those things where it was put into context of understanding the timeline was really helpful, I felt, at least for the newer generations as well, to appreciate what the 68 comeback really meant and how it impacted the United States at that time.
0: Yeah, I didn't, so wanna, I didn't want to take for granted that the, the audience would, would know all of that. And so we felt it was important um, so, so that they would understand all of that. So I, I'm, I'm, I'm delighted that, that that worked. And it was, I think, if you, if you look at the history of the 20th century, 1968 may have been one of the most tumultuous years of all. And here we have Elvis trying to make a comeback amongst all of uh, the, the events that were happening there. And again, I think that even speaks more to how brilliant his talents were, that he could transcend everything that was happening that year and, and with, with Steve Binder create something that became the highest rated TV show of the year.
1: It was it was crazy. It it really was crazy (laughs) Mm -hmm. watching that. Now with that, what was the process like um getting the footage for the film? And going through that and choosing what you wanted to use.
0: Right. Well, I'll I'll tell you a little bit about my process as a a documentary filmmaker. Yes. Um first thing you have to have a, a general roadmap of where you're going. That doesn't mean you have all the details or you know everything, but it's sort of a general I'm going down this road and we're gonna sort of tell this story. So my notion right from the beginning was, let's have Elvis in this tug of war between his manager on one side, who wants him to do just middle of the road, you know, boring stuff. And then you've got this young producer director that says, no, 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 no. Let's go back to having you do what made you Elvis. And you've got Elvis stuck in between these two forces pulling him in two directions and i thought that's very dramatic that's the the centerpiece of a really interesting film for me so then i have to figure out so who are we going to talk to about this we have steve of course which tells all the story then we wanted to to talk to some people that worked on the show it's old enough now that a lot of people are no longer with us but we were able to find a number of people that uh, worked on the show so they could speak to what Steve was like as a producer-director, what Elvis was like as a person. And that, I think, is 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 one of the things we talked about just a little while ago. Of I wanted people to feel at least in some way that they, they understood Elvis. And by hearing the stories of the people that worked with him, you sort of got a sense of a portrait of this guy. Um, and then I wanted to have it's yes, one thing for Steve or these other people to say, oh, the audience loved it. It was just great. They were so... But it's a better and more interesting thing if you can find some people who are actually there that night. Yes. So thank heaven for social media. <laughs> yes. We we reached out and we found three women who were teenagers who were in the audience when they shot the, uh, the sit-down show. And uh, I think uh, when your podcast uh, viewers, listeners are going to Uh, see our film what you get watch the watch the eyes of those women you can see they are back 50 some years in that room watching this guy in that sexy leather suit doing his thing and there's something really special about that that's just terrific and then I also we needed some Elvis experts to be able to put his career um, into some sort of perspective and so um, there were uh, Jillian Garr had written a book about the comeback special. Uh, Alana Nash had written, as I said, the definitive book about the colonel. So that became um, uh, uh, two necessities for, for me. Uh, but then we had uh, uh, Sana Sene, who is a young music critic uh, for The New Yorker magazine. And I thought this would be really interesting to have a young person's take on Elvis. He's a hip hop. Guy, you know Kaliva. Yes. that's what he loves, and for him to kind of go back and look at Elvis, I thought was a whole other interesting perspective because again, we didn't want to make reinventing Elvis just for you know your parents and your grandparents. we wanted it to be for everybody mm-hmm. and so we had to um, uh, bring out I think um, stories and information and facts and all of that that would be appealing to an audience a uh, broad general audience and that's what we tried to do so. Um, Once that was in place, uh, then it's like, all right, what audiovisual assets are available to us to tell this story properly? Our producer, Spencer Proffer, had made a deal with ABG, which is the owner of the Elvis uh, estate, um, to use up to a certain number of minutes of footage. And so we had access to all of that. So that's what you see in our film. You see that, you see uh, outtakes, you see uh, different moments from the special. And and the challenge really is, okay, I have Steve or some of these other people we interviewed talking about this or that, telling this story or that story. What's the best clip to go along with that? It's not just a ge- generic, oh, let's put Elvis singing in here. And so I will challenge the two of you when you see this again, uh, and, and, uh, and, and your fans, When you look at Reinventing Elvis, listen to the songs that are being performed at every spot in the film. Listen carefully to the lyrics that Elvis is singing. And what you're going to find is that more often than not, the lyrics that he uh, is singing uh, refer to a point that's just been made or a point that we're about to make or it's commenting on the action of things. So there's a reason why those songs are there. And that's what takes a lot of time to put these jigsaw uh, pieces together. But then I also want to have stuff in in a documentary that hasn't been in those 100 other Elvis documentaries. So as I say, the comeback footage has been out there. But I wanted to find some other things. So uh, we found some newsreel footage of Elvis from um, uh, the 50s there's a, a great piece we have where Elvis is doing a press conference as he's getting ready to leave for the army. Yes. And it is so clear and pristine, that footage because no one had seen it before. We had it transferred by uh, the people that owned that footage and it just looks so cool. Yes. And again, it's, it's not just, Oh, let's, let's put some footage in there again. Think about what they're asking. This Because nobody then thought rock and roll was going to last. So they say, do you think it'll still be there when you're out of the army? And even Elvis doesn't know. And he mm-hmm. says, you know, I hope so. And uh, so, again, it, it, it's telling us something not only about history, but also about Elvis and, and what he thinks about what he's doing, his music and stuff. And that, and then uh, you don't hear the colonel very much talking.
2: Mm-mm, no. Uh,
0: and we nope. found through some Elvis collectors, uh, we found some audio recordings of the colonel from 1956 uh, and we have his voice in there in two excerpts, which I think are sort of interesting. And again, I think uh, I'll challenge uh, challenge you to, to go back and look and and, and listen. And uh, did did Tom Hanks with that accent? Is that what the colonel really sounded like? You know?
1: No comment. <laughs> I don't want to get in trouble. No you,
0: comment.
2: I may have said the same thing that you just said. <laughs> Um, it, it's so funny that you bring up the army footage because me and my friends have talked about this. We are like, yes, that footage is so clear and crisp. Seeing that was beautiful. Like, it was just like, wow, I've never seen that before. And because we're so used to seeing footage of him being like super grainy because, you know, it's yes. back in the day and it's not as clear as now. So like seeing that, I was like, oh, my goodness. Like, thank you so much. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I've got a team of people that I've worked with on, on all my films. And what they're really good at is digging this stuff up. Wow. You know, sometimes I'll have an idea where to find it, but most of the time it's them. I have this woman named Kathleen who is fabulous. She is so sweet and nice, but she is like so persistent. She will not take no for an answer. And we said, I want some footage of uh from around the time of Elvis going into the army. And there's all those shots of him getting a haircut, which everybody has seen. That's been yeah. in, in a million things. There's even, you know, some shots of him on, on the boat going off to Germany or getting off the boat in Germany. Um, but she tracked down this footage from Fox movie tone news. And the reason it looks so great is we had it transferred from the original negative and it just looks fabulous. And you, you, it's so uh, uh, wonderful to be able to see Elvis that clear and sharp yes. outside of just uh the the hollywood movies that he did
2: you know what was her name again
0: oh kathleen ermitage is her name kathleen, kathleen. Is she's, my mean... she's my associate she's my associate producer and she introduced me to my wife karen so uh love that and she's uh, a
1: matchmaker
2: she's persistent. Matchmaker
0: and, and a detective in, uh, in one <laughs> i was
2: gonna say kathleen we may have to recruit you to look for some more elvis footage um... <laughs> amazing and i love how you started talking about the cast because it it was so cool to hear from first witness like they were there you know and um <laughs> when when terry was talking about First, sitting down for memories next to him and then the footage played and I was like that is so cool like that Mm -hmm. is so special to see her like recall that and then there it is right next I cried that footage (laughs) isn't the one that was in the special so it felt so cool to see like something we haven't seen before and um even like with Susan, like Susan talking about her time with Elvis, like everyone knows Susan and Elvis. We all watched Mm -hmm. it on the comeback special and that's the Bordeaux scene. Oh, it's just so, it's so cool to watch and see her recount all of those feelings and see all of them. And, you know. um, And again, context
0: is really important. And to have Susan, you know, people in Elvis world know Susan and Mm -hmm. she's told some of her stories before, but you know, there's something about the power of film when you can see her talking and juxtapose that against some of the actual footage or photos and that chemistry between the two of them just explodes yes. off the screen.
2: Yes. And there's and that so again evident.
0: makes it, makes it more emotional than simply, oh yes, I worked with Elvis on the special. Mm-hmm.
2: A thousand percent. and I thought it was so cool that you guys like put them side by side so we can like watch it as she was recalling it. And now, now I'm gonna go back and re watch the film. Like I you said, to pay attention to the songs as they were being spoken. I will absolutely do that. No, seriously, I need to go and pay attention, you know? So, um, but yeah, what like, what was your favorite story that was shared by the cast? That you got to speak with, because I'm so jealous you got to speak with all these people.
0: (laughs) Well, it's a it's a great question. Um, I think my favorite story is um, Steve Bender trying to communicate to Elvis that he really needs to make a change in his career. So um, Elvis, uh, uh, when they first met, says to Steve, so where do you think what do you think of my career? And Steve says, well, frankly, I think it's in the toilet. And um, that tells us a lot about Steve, that, that he speaks his mind and he was a straight shooter. But it also tells us something about Elvis. There are a lot of celebrities that can't take criticism and, and, and they would have gotten very huffy and walked out. But Elvis knew something needed to be done here. But that's not the story I love. The story I love is a couple of days later when um, Elvis comes in to, to start rehearsing with Steve. And he says, come on, we're going down to Sunset Boulevard. We're going to test a theory you had that, that, that my career's in the toilet. I think he really thought that they were going to go out to Sunset Boulevard and people would be honking and, hey, Elvis, how are you? So they go down to Sunset Boulevard. Nobody recognizes Elvis. Nobody has a clue who this guy is. And, and, and then he, it's, I think he starts to get pissed off about this because he starts like waving at cars and you know trying <laughs> to get the attention of, of pretty girls in, in, in the cars as they're driving by, and nobody's paying attention. Finally, he turns to Steve and he says, "All right, you've made your point. We can go upstairs now." And, and, and again, what I love about it is that um, we were able to um, illustrate that visually as opposed to it just being a story that Steve might have told in an interview somewhere. Uh, but I think also it tells us something about Elvis as a person, that he was a thinking person, that he was an aware person. He might have made some mistakes, but he was aware enough when somebody put this in front of him to say, you know something? At some deep level, he's saying, you're right, and we got to fix this. And um, Steve tells the story in the film of uh, that uh, Priscilla told him many years later. That Elvis had come home, maybe from this day—I don't know—but it was from some day like this, where he said, "You know something? I'm going to go with that kid Binder. I'm going to—I'm going to do what he's asking me to do." Uh, and, and I think that was one of the best decisions that, uh, Elvis ever made.
2: I think so too. And that was actually a story that I haven't—I hadn't heard as I didn't well, know that. which I thought mm-hmm. was so cool. And. I have to mention this story as well, That when they went into the Colonel's office and he was like, there has to be a Christmas song and they walked out and Elvis was like, fuck him!" It's like iconic. I love I'm so happy that was included in in the film. And it's just, it makes Elvis was so human. It's just so great to see those little moments of him, you know? Um, And it's just such a pleasure to be able to watch even in the special. We uh,
0: we had a screening of, uh, a sneak preview screening in New York, and when he when Elvis comes out of the room and says that line, huge laugh and applause in in the audience. I think they really responded to that moment. Um, and I think that's what again is so interesting about Elvis is um, a superstar, yes, but also at some level. The, the the poor kid who grew up in Mississippi and Memphis and um and 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 knew at some level something needed to change here. He wasn't okay. happy. And I think this is what you don't see in a lot of the Elvis things is the unhappiness that he had at certain times in his life with where the career was going. Um I don't know if the two of you saw the uh uh this film Double Trouble.
2: Oh I have but
1: yes.
0: There's there's this moment which we couldn't license that footage but there's a a, this moment where elvis is in the back of a pickup truck Mm -hmm. and he's surrounded by these chicken coops with live chickens and what is he singing old mcdonald and and i'm sure the king of rock and roll is sitting there thinking what the hell am i doing here doing this ridiculous song you know and i think He was smart enough eventually to figure out, I'm not happy. We got to make a change.
1: And I think the 68 comeback was so vital for that. I mean, that's what did it for sure. And I wonder if Steve had not come in and done that with him, where the career would have gone. That's how much of an impact he had on Elvis's career, which is crazy. Crazy.
0: I think that's the the critical question. Um, It had a massive uh, impact on Elvis's career. And Alana Nash, our our expert, um, says at one point in our film that um, she's convinced that if Elvis and Steve had continued to work together, um, Elvis may not have died young, uh, and an unhappy man. Um, that that he might have taken a different creative. And I think really that's sort of, again, what 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 struck me when I was putting together the treatment for this is the Shakespearean tragedy of of this superstar yeah. who leaned much too heavily on his manager and it and it did not serve him well most of the time and particularly later in life and i think that's the tragedy that here he was at age 42 dying in his bathroom um and and had he been a happier person uh had he made different creative decisions perhaps he'd still be with us today or at least we would have had the pleasure of of many more years of, of his music and performances
1: It's crazy to think about, to even comprehend of like those extra years we might have gotten with him if something had changed. Because the story in the film where he gave Steve his number and Colonel made sure no one to get a hold of him was, I didn't even know that happened. I didn't even know the connection with Steve and Elvis continued after the 68 comeback. So that was mind blowing to me. Mm,
0: Yeah, that was one of those stories. I didn't know that story either. And it's such a a poignant, dramatic moment uh, of Elvis Wanting to stay in touch, but then the colonel won't let him and so he enables him or he goes along with it. And that's what was so tragic, really.
2: Truly,
1: truly. Mm. Though this film had me in my feels. I went home. I didn't know how to feel or act for the rest you
2: know, of the time. It was like, I need a moment. No one talked to me. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, well, the, so- other thing that, the other thing that we do, my team and I, is we tend to cut things a little faster, give it a little bit more energy. But also tend to pack in a little bit more because we, we would love for people to come back and watch it a second time. So I hope the two of you will do that and, and your your podcast fans will do the same because I think you'll see things the second time around that uh, perhaps you missed or maybe went by a little fast the first time around.
2: Yes. And I will say that I, I actually already have watched it a second yes. time. Yes. <laughs> We're going go we to go watch it <laughs> another, another
0: I love round. That.
2: Um, so every time we do an episode with the guest, mm-hmm. we always, um, ask our podcast listener, Hey, like, do you have any questions for the guests? So we have some fan questions for you just to, sure. um, and so Rachel asked, what was it like to work with Steve Bender who practically saved Elvis's career?
0: It was, uh, uh, I, I feel honored to have had the opportunity to work with Steve. He is uh, a legend in my business uh, for all the, pro- not just for Elvis, for, mm-hmm. for yeah. many of the other programs that he did. He's what, what people would call a pro's pro. You know, it's really interesting. I've, I've done films on a lot of famous people. And it's really rare to come across someone um, that no one has a bad thing to say about. People can always find something, even John Lennon people had bad things to say about, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, In a year and a half of working on this film, I didn't find a person who had anything bad to say about Steve. He is so uh, uh, admired and revered. And so that was really interesting. He's 90 years old now. His his mind is so sharp. His powers of recall are so tremendous that he remembers everything as if it were yesterday. And you saw that in the film, the detail with which he told these stories. And So that's a pleasure to have a subject who says, well, you know, it's so long ago, I really don't remember, but you (laughs) remembered everything, which is just great. Um, But also I appreciated that, um, you know, as a producer director, he knows what uh, is involved with the work that I do. And he was so supportive. And I will always be grateful to him for that. He could have said, no, 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 you should do it this way or do it that way or do it the way I would do it. He was very uh, gracious and generous in his supportive of, of, of my vision for this. And so I will be forever grateful uh, to that. But just uh, for Rachel's question, just a pleasure, just a pleasure to work with Steve.
1: That is so wonderful to hear. I would have never guessed he was 90. I was looking at him
2: and no, I was like, this yeah. guy is nowhere near that <laughs> age. Oh my goodness. He was recalling everything. And he still I know, had that, my like he had a wit to him. He was like, it was so, such a joy. He really did. Yeah. And he's a
0: great storyteller. Yeah. That comes across. Yeah.
1: Truly. I thought he was younger. When you said 90, my jaw literally dropped. I was like, (laughs) what? (laughs) So we do have one more question from Jojo and they ask, will the documentary stream anywhere else or just on Paramount?
0: That's a great question. So for Jojo, what, what happens in the business is documentaries uh, features too, but documentaries can happen many different ways. It can be independently financed, and then uh, I make the film, and then we try to find the place that will stream it. So I had a film that came out this spring uh, in movie theaters across the country called What the Hell Happened to Blood, Sweat, and Tears, and uh, another uh, legendary band. Um, uh, so, but we were funded independently, and uh, we are now trying to find the best streaming situation for it that we can. Uh, or what you can do is you can you can sell it to a streaming platform and that's what happened in the case of Reinventing Elvis is uh, our producer Spencer Proffer had had sold it to Paramount Plus so they paid for it and they have exclusive rights to it so the only place you'll be able to see it uh, will be on Paramount Plus there's a possibility I don't have an exact date yet but I have a, a there's a possibility it'll be available on uh, DVD and Blu-ray. So um, you can, you awesome. can uh, uh, buy that and uh, have some extras. I think those of you that, uh, that saw our film in theaters saw some of the extras. We just had three deleted scenes that we didn't have time for in the actual film. And so those will probably be on it, but I can't confirm that at, at uh, this moment.
2: That's, that's awesome. I actually did hear about that because in my yes. theater I didn't have the deleted ones, but I was texting my friends. And in the UK, some of them got it. And I was like, someone, because someone messaged me and was like, hey, you got to stay till the end. There's deleted scenes. And I was like, okay. And I stayed and I was like, oh, I didn't get them. But then the next, my friend was like, hey, I got the deleted scenes. And I was like, well, I'll be damned.
0: Like- Same <laughs> on your theater. So- actually, we have, we've heard that some theaters didn't show that yeah. material what we had done is we, we filmed a uh, special greeting from Steve to people that were Aww. going to be watching the film. And then we had uh, three sequences that um, just, they were interesting, uh, but we just didn't have time for Cause uh, you're always sort of faced with that when you're making a film is, Oh my goodness, this is just a little too long. We got to cut something. So we cut these three stories and, uh, uh so i guess maybe not every theater did that they were supposed to though uh, <laughs> that after the film was over they would show these three sequences it was about 11 minutes of material in total
2: got it well thank you thank you for mm-hmm. um explaining that because actually i know a lot of people were curious it was like what were the deleted scenes mm-hmm. yeah right. i look forward to seeing
1: those honestly yes yes that's if exciting does, um we'll have to your theater
0: didn't to show them either yeah did you no. get the victory yeah. Wow! No, not in Orlando. State. Shame on those theaters. Calling them out.
2: I know. I did hear. <laughs> I I think it was a lot of them in the UK that showed it. Honestly, from what uh-huh. I was seeing. So, you know, we'll just have to buy the DVD and we'll see them. You know. <laughs> I know.
0: Life could be worse.
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you're not wrong. Yeah. Well, John, it it was. It's been such a pleasure to seriously speak with you. Thank you so much um, for speaking with just two young girls obsessed with all this and we just were, it's an honor to talk to you about your film, you know, and.
0: Well, I love your enthusiasm and, and it is it, it, it's just, it's a wonderful thing to see that um, two smart young women who, who were not around at all and probably shouldn't even know who Elvis is, much less be obsessed with him. Yeah. have have, um you've taken this on. And I just think that's great. And so I'm happy to, have been your guests and uh, love yeah. the smart questions and and the good conversation. Well, you
2: are always welcome back. Anytime. <laughs> yes, anytime, anytime. Are you before you go? Are you working on anything right now? Do you have any new project in the future that you would like to speak about real quick?
0: Yes, a very Elvisy like uh, project. That is uh, fine.
2: <laughs> That's I just, fine.
0: I, I, I'm finishing a rough cut this week of a new film that uh, involves baseball. Awesome. And uh, you know, it's really interesting. I. I'm hard to peg uh, as a filmmaker because I have a broad range of interests and I never like to repeat myself. So, uh, yes, there are music docs, um but, but each one's a little different, and the story's a little different. Mm-hmm. And you know, but I've done some things on on uh, Heaven and Jesus and Watergate and and Vietnam and, uh, all, and and some comedians and and Gary Marshall who's a big uh, a, a director of some wonderful movies. Um But I love doing things I haven't done before. And so uh, I'm working on this thing called Baseball Beyond Belief. And it's a a really smart and entertaining look at elements of baseball that we also find in religion. So you have miracles. You have sacred times, sacred places, saints and sinners, um, blessings and curses and things. And we sort of look at baseball through that prism. And to me, it's been really, really fascinating to do that. Uh, And then I have a couple of other films I'm going to start in the fall. One is uh, about comedy in America, the state of comedy in America at at, at this moment in 2023. And then uh, I can't tell you who exactly, but it's a a legendary rock band from the 60s that uh, I'll be having a really interesting take on. And so those will be coming up uh, in the next year or so.
1: I'm very excited because your documentaries are very enlightening and like very entertaining. I Mm -hmm. remember growing up and my mom's like, we're going to watch a documentary. And I was like, no, why? (laughs) I was like, oh my gosh, like you put it together so well. And it's just so much more than just like a boring history class. It is bringing it to life. And I feel like I'm living through it. So I'm very excited to see
0: those. Yeah, it's what we try to do is to make them really entertaining. You know, it's really interesting. Um. I kind of had that impression of documentaries, too, when I was yeah. growing up. My, the first documentary I saw was like the mating of the tsetse fly in the South Pacific. You know, it was like <laughs> the most boring thing in yeah. the world. And I've always sort of felt, you know, you've got to make people laugh. You've got to make mm-hmm. people cry. you got to make people So I was doing this um, Q&A after my uh, What the Hell Happened to Blood, Sweat, and Tears film, uh, which is a fascinating story. It's not really a music documentary. It's about a band. Uh-huh. But it's really a political thriller about a band that found itself uh, in cancel culture before we re- really knew what that was. Ooh, so wow. You should check that out. Yes, but, I will. But, so I'm doing a Q&A and, and this guy gets up and um, maybe in his 30s and he says, do you want to know what the difference between you and Ken Burns is? Now, Ken Burns is a great documentary filmmaker. He does a lot of PBS stuff. He did uh-huh. the Civil War and, and many other things. Yeah. But they're all very serious and thoughtful and, and smart. And, but this guy says, you know, you have a sense of humor and he doesn't. And it's like, really? Wow. Um, and I, I suppose that's true, but uh, I do feel it's important and we, we have it in Reinventing Elvis. I want to make you laugh a few times because you shouldn't have to sit there and feel you're getting a history lesson that's so boring. You may as well be in school for that. So we try to make it as, as entertaining as possible. So thank, thank you for, for noticing.
1: So yeah. i did like,
2: <laughs> yeah i, I, I was I, laughing crying everything i would all say the, the same thing as well because i feel like when you're in school you're just hit with all of these historical documentaries and you're like oh like <laughs> what's going yeah, on like it's hard to follow you know it doesn't keep you hooked and with this it was like not like that at all so amazing job john and again yeah, such you. a pleasure to have you on and Everyone look out for John's future projects. We are so excited. The baseball one actually sounds very interesting. I know. I'm very excited about that. And excited to see who the the band is you're talking about in the future. We'll have to keep an eye out. (laughs) Well,
0: maybe we'll talk again when we get a little further down the road. But thanks for the interest. It was great to be with you both.
2: Yes. Thank you so much. Bye, John.
0: Bye-bye. Guys, did you
2: enjoy? Like, that was awesome. That was so so awesome.
1: John just logged off. Um, we talked with him a little bit after the episode ended, and
2: he's you guys a gym.
1: He is yeah. like a genuine sweetheart.
2: He was like so. He w- it was so cool. He was like asking us questions, and I was like, "You want to know. know about me?"
1: Like I, when he when he first came on, he started interviewing us, and I was like, "Hold up, we're supposed to be interviewing you."
2: He's like-, like what? Like what's happening right now? Like- and I felt like honestly. He, I feel like he kind of had some controversial opinions at some point, which I was like, this is kind of cool to, like, hear, like, a difference.
1: I liked that. Yeah. I liked that. Because, again, like, again, this podcast, again, what he said is going to be the truth and based on the truth. We're not going to fluff anything up. And I I enjoyed how he was real about elvis elvis Mm -hmm. did have flaws as Mm -hmm. many of us do but like the beautiful thing about having flaws is you're still able to love someone with the flaws Mm -hmm. and i think that's like a wonderful thing that he did bring up and it wasn't just all cupcakes and butterflies and rainbows like the colonel wasn't great uh elvis was struggling with his career and you know it's just the 68 comeback documentary goes right into that and nails it on the head he did great
2: (laughs) so guys again if you guys have not watched it paramount plus august well, it's already I was going to say August 15th, it's now August 20th. <laughs> it's already there. What day is it? Um and then as John said, possible DVD release, so we'll keep you all updated if mm-hmm. it does happen. Um if you can't if you don't have Paramount Plus, ask your bestie, log on to their Paramount Plus. It's worth seeing in my opinion yes. and that's why i was really trying to let him know like hey like everyone really likes this film because i see yes. it i see it on tiktok i see it on Internet. you guys tell us all the time yeah we everyone's raving about it and i know that he he isn't really on social media as much and so i was like i just want to let you know my I guy know. i'm so happy <laughs> we were able to like reaffirm him that yeah. was so nice that yeah. was awesome okay victory well i guess should we end this on a high note then i think we're gonna end this on the high <laughs> note you guys tcb okay. And wait, we switched. That feels so uh-huh. unnatural.
1: No, it, it shouldn't. I know I did TLC. it on purpose. It's like... <laughs> wait. That felt weird. <laughs> okay, fine. We can go back around. TCB. <laughs> and TCB. <laughs>
2: <laughs> okay, goodbye. Are you against TLC? <laughs> No, what not?
1: <laughs> TLC is always your thing. What are my... You guys know we never assign each other these things. It just happened. It just it happened. Just... Like I Okay, bye guys. Bye. TLC. TLC.
2: Thank you for tuning in to this
1: week's episode of elvis and the pink cadillac
2: to connect with us follow us on our socials at elvis and the pink cadillacs on instagram and tiktok and share
1: your elvis stories and experiences with us at elvis the at gmail.com and you may be featured in the next episode
2: we'll see you next time and for now tcb and tlc bye
1: bye